Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to Connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends, and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life. Welcome to episode 29 of the Excuses to Connect podcast. Just as a disclaimer, this episode was recorded a few months back and is being released now. You might notice a difference in the audio quality and some background noise, but I hope it doesn't detract from the insightful conversation I had with my guest. Today, I'm joined by Lionel Magrino, who identifies himself as a Filipino-Canadian living with cerebral palsy. He's proud of his Filipino roots and to be a member of the disability community. In this episode, he emphasizes how he does not solely define himself as a person with a disability because he lives his life without any limitations. His goal is to show people that your obstacles should not stop you from going on adventures and chasing your dreams. He's a photographer, anti-racism and disability advocate, and emphasizes the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is Leading a Limitless Life with Lionel Magrino. Well, hello, Lionel. It's such an honor to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? And you've invited our YouTubing. I'm doing very well. I'd love to start off with a bit about who you are. So I've read the bio on your website, so I'll say some of it back and then I'll ask you about it. So it says you're a photographer in Calgary and that you're an ordinary guy living with a disability called cerebral palsy and that you don't solely define yourself as a person with a disability because you live life without any limitations. Your goal is to show people that obstacles should not stop you from going on adventures and chasing your dreams. So I'm wondering if you could tell listeners more about why you wrote your bio that way. I wrote my bio that way because I feel like in our society, there is a stigma with labeling people with disabilities and Often that stigma related to disabilities or that they are limited or there's something wrong with them or they need to be cured or they need to be healed. I recognize that my disability is an identity and will always be a part of me for the rest of my life, but I'm much more than just my disability. There's so much layers to another person's identity, and I do wanna showcase that before being labeled by my disability, and that is what I'm asking the word to recognize. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. For listeners that might not be familiar with cerebral palsy, I'm wondering if you could describe or just explain that to them. So cerebral palsy is more like a thing that, uh, that impacts 
an individual during birth and it's usually most common it usually happens during birth when they have a lack of oxygen and when the baby has a lack of oxygen in the brain with the you can also say that the baby is having a stroke and cerebral palsy impacts the fine motor skills and cerebral palsy is different for and for everyone. It's different for everyone. You can see like cerebral palsy can only impact one body, one body, one group of muscle of an individual body, or cerebral palsy can impact a person of being of being on purple, and they there's a lot of stuff and many layers to cerebral mm -hmm. palsy as well. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that because I think part of it is just educating people that they're not as, as you're mentioning, like there's stigma around people with disabilities and that you're not solely defined by it. I know part of it too, you're saying that you, you don't wanna let these obstacles stop you from going on adventures and chasing your dreams. So I'd love to know, what are your dreams right now? What are you trying to pursue? So my dream, so my dream is to honestly, I'm really passionate about the about promoting equity, diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and justice in the community and to the world. And I'm and I hope to still continue that work, especially putting showing people that people with disabilities are they got many talents and should be valuable. I often feel like society put that in a box with kind of breath of a voice in a way and we don't matter a lot and in big and big decisions or big or big policy making mm -hmm. that is happening with our government. So I I kinda wanna change that and I kinda wanna make it so people that we are that the disability community and like every other community out there we're all different. We got different abilities, but we all have a voice and we all feel beard like everyone else. And I think the word it's progressing that 
way right now, but there's a lot of work that need to that need to be worked on when we're talking about making sure that we integrate and give safety with in the disability community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think there's still a lot of work to be done as well. For people that are interested in equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility, like you mentioned, what would you say is the best way for them to educate themselves and actually be advocates as well? That is, that is a question I always get asked, and I always get absolutely much with disability impairment awareness month in October. I've been getting at this question and the one thing of of being the first step of being an ally is to recognize that there is an that there is a, there is an issue going on with our society and our system. We need to acknowledge that the world is ableist, that a fact, or the world is racist, or the world is homophobic, and so on, and that a fact. And when we recognize that, we need to recognize our breakfast. And I know, like, it's really hard for a lot of people, most of us, and in, in, uh, in give the need to recognize that we do a breakfast because it seems like if we admit that, it cannot give credit all of our work. But we need to recognize it and do, because in order to recognize a witness, like people don't really care about a person with like it's just the way you use it and how you use it to help of the community and yeah, you need to recognize with this and also don't be afraid to be uncomfortable because mm-hmm. uncomfortable, you need to embrace it and you need to be uncomfortable to learn to open your mind and open your heart to people and so empathy and like for me, like I often I said it to my last panel, like imagine people with disabilities and now they live like every day. Mm-hmm. They live in the ableist world, a world that is not made for them. So why can't others be uncomfortable for a couple of minutes to learn 
about another person that Jeremy answers. And I think doing that and placing that uncomfortableness will make people more empathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love this message of it is hard work and it does require people to be vulnerable and recognize their own privilege and keep an open yeah. mind and be uncomfortable so that they can be empathetic and learn yeah. more. I, I know one of the ways you've been sharing stories and advocating is through uh, your work as a photographer. And one of your projects was called Quento Letrado. I wonder if you could tell listeners about uh, what that means and what that project is about. The Gentle mean in the in Tagalog, a Filipino dialect, it means stories and pictures. And for my and for my topic, and I think research, you're pretty familiar with topic. I explore the subtle ways of racism. And I focus on a micro-question. When people ask you, where are you from? Mm -hmm. And like, I, I, get, I get that a lot. Do you get that a lot? Yes, I get it sometimes too. And I say, well, I'm from Calgary. I was born and raised here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, and for my... And for my topic, I would like, why not I get a diverse group of, uh, as, I should say, an ethnic diverse group of people and ask them the question, where are they from? And, and say and ask them how to do questions. How do those questions, how do you feel when those questions were asked? And some of them were like us, they get it a lot, they're tired of it, they're offended, and right. some don't really get asked that question. And they were like, I never get asked that question, but why it it offend why why can it be offended? I don't see the big deal and I cannot compare and contrast between white people and racial like people and and you will know that people that are racial like get at that question a lot. Mm -hmm. And people that are white barely get at that question all the time. And I'm trying to say this is a micro question. This is judgment based on based on our color of our skin and and make us feel excluded and left the agent. Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm glad you've done this project because it showcases that, it, or makes it very clear of white privilege of when white people yeah. don't get asked this question that racialized individuals do. And it's interesting because Canada is, I see it as a place that is very diverse yeah. and that everyone that has come to Canada are immigrants, except for yeah. the people that are indigenous to this land. So it's just interesting yeah. that, well, everyone, we come from somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, if you could tell listeners about why you're passionate about photography and why you, why you got into it in the first place. Okay, so yeah, I got into photography, honestly, just because of I was hanging out with a few friends. One day we they were taking photos and I was fascinated how they communicate their the vision with the camera and they and how they interact with their subject and I was so at all with them. So I was like why not I why not me I try it and mm-hmm. then I bought my first camera it started as a hobby in my but I become more I would say I become more addicted to it and I would like going into the photo box in Calgary. Calgary have a really, really more, but really wrong mm-hmm. photography community. So I've been hanging out with other photographers and joining them in the photo box. And then even I met a couple of photographers in 2018, mm-hmm. and I started to take photos with them every weekend. Like, we used to go every weekend for for a year and taking photos. Like, it doesn't matter if it's minus 30 or minus 40, we <laughs> took photos and we, still, we went on like mountain trips and stuff. We mm-hmm. even go to Vancouver too. Wow. So we, I, so we, that's how I really perfected my craft and I really got into like the business side and kind of blends out on my own and kind of been doing a lot of community projects and also a lot of like individual clients here and there. Great. Well, I'm very happy that you found a photography community in Calgary and that you even took photos when it's minus 30 or 40. I, yeah, yeah. We're, we're pretty dedicated. Yeah. Since my podcast is about connections with people, I'm curious how you feel like photography helps to connect people or build community. I think 
for me, photography is all about storytelling. And for me, it's important because I'm, like, again, the word is not made for, uh, for a guy like me because not only I'm disabled and disabledism, I'm also a person of color, so I get racism as well, so it's like a double whammy, and mm. I have to face a lot of barriers, and photography is just a way to let people know my perspective of the world and see it through my lens and be more empathetic that there's a lot of people like me that are usually voiceless in this world and we need to recognize that and empower other voice to stand up and to speak and we need to make sure that the voiceless have a voice and keep society now more than ever. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to dig deeper with that. When you're saying that the voiceless need a voice more than ever, why do you think that is? I think right now, like, we like the, I've, wait, one, that I've got, I'm, gonna ask a question, so this question, why did something that need to happen in order for things to happen? Or why do people need to relive their trauma and their experience in hopes to be heard or in hopes for things? I think it's so important for the voice to be heard so that things will happen without people have, without people having to be dehumanized or sacrificed or without negative implications. Right. Yeah, I think those are very powerful questions because by the time that someone has experienced discrimination or prejudice because of who they are, it's already too late. Yeah. So it, it needs to be more proactive in actually trying to prevent these things from happening in the first place. So yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So you were just talking about how it's important to give the voiceless a voice, but how do you go about that? Like, how do you create more space or platforms for those people to have a voice? First of all, being an ally, you need to understand what it means to be an ally. And to be an ally, you need to make sure that you're educated, you're asking the question. More importantly, you need to be curious about 
about the bird thing and do and do give bait to them. I often like to call it that you need to advocate with them, not for them, because you want people, it means a lot if people are standing beside you in solidarity instead of instead of your leading the dark or you're following the person is that more powerful if you're united as one standing in solidarity and I think making sure that a person appears you need to make sure that they you need to make sure that you need to be empathetic to one situation and make sure that you're educating yourself that you are aware of their experiences and recognizing your own privileges as well. Mm -hmm. You had made an interesting point there about the difference between um, standing with them versus standing for them. I'm wondering if you could talk more about that distinction of, yeah, working with people standing beside them versus trying to do something for, for them. So for when you're advocating for people, it's like, it's like, for example, like, kind of like making sure that policies are, are being made based on a, based on a community that you're not a part of. Mm -hmm. And even though you do have the best attentions, you haven't gotten that livid experience right. that he that that James have. So what legitimacy does the policy have to benefit that community compared to like consulting with them, working together to make policy changes? And that how advocating with is different than advocating for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that distinction because I think it is very important one because even people that might have the best intentions but they haven't consulted with the communities it's affecting that it's not really having the impact and yeah. meaningful change that should be happening. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you had mentioned policies and we don't need to go super in depth with this, but I, I'd love to know in terms of policies, what you'd love to see from our local city or the school that you're at or just society as a whole 
in terms of policy changes? I want to make sure that when we talk about accessibility in the city, I wonder if they really are familiar with, 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 like, with disability issues and awareness and really consulting with the disability community. I know for the city there is a disability action committee in Calgary, mm -hmm. but I think we're lacking on the education part. There's so much education that is missing with, with the city and the government and every institution out there. And I think like, I think with like the main thing about ableism is, is the thing that people often got that present notions about what the disability is. <laughs> it's because of a lack of education out there. And I think we need to do a better job on educating our leaders in government, educating our city workers, our public workers that well in the virtual government. So I think with education is the number one step to really create and we need more representation to in leaders. There's not many people that identify themselves as disabled in just positions. And I think we need to have more leadership in that front. Right. So what I'm hearing is there's still a lot of education work to be done and that there needs to be more representation in leaders that are making these decisions or running these committees and creating these policies because there's still lots of gaps there. Yeah. First of all, I, I want to recognize all the advocacy work that you've done because I think through the positions and organizations that you've worked with and the photography work that you've done, that I think it helps spread this awareness and message and even being on this podcast. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for listeners that want to get in touch with you to have a conversation or know more about the work that you do, where would you want to direct them? You can find, you can find me on Instagram at Elmigrino. That is my photography Instagram. I also go on a little bit of a rant doing some advocacy work. Mm -hmm. on, on videos on Instagram as well and that's causing up 
businesses or government that are not being really inclusive. And yeah, I use the word gola because I think calling in is too corporate. <laughs> I think people, people yeah. need to be called up. People need to be uncomfortable to complete right. their learning journey. Mm-hmm. Great. I'll, I'll make sure I tag your Instagram, El Magrino, in the description of the podcast so they can check out okay. what you're doing. Okay. I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if you have a final message or takeaway that you want listeners to have from our conversation today. Yeah, yeah, my, my advice to everyone and I mentioned it. I mentioned it to a lot of events I was talking to with. I heard an advice from a colleague, from a colleague in my team, and she gave me really powerful advice. And it's to to say simple. Say simple, but we so keep your uniqueness. Don't let don't let others or the system or the culture that give up because your voice is as is is important as everyone else, and we just embrace our uniqueness and our differences, and don't be afraid to so who you are, and don't be afraid to own it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love this message of stay visible, celebrate your uniqueness, and yeah, showing up in the world. So this was a really great conversation. I really appreciated you being able to share your story and perspective. And hopefully some people reach out to you or they learn something from this episode. So thank you again, Lionel, for being on this podcast today. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Victor. Then, yeah, have a beautiful day, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find a link to my website, excusestoconnect.com. There, you can check out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to buy me a coffee. This is a website that supports content creators, where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life.